You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul notes the importance of the Hif'il and how English translations of Exodus fall short in rendering its functional meaning. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. I dislike very much the word meaning, as though each word has a meaning. It is not so. The word has a function in the sentence. Let me repeat that classic example of mine. For the verbs that are used very commonly when you open the Webster Dictionary, you have a colon sometimes, a colon and a half, sometimes two colons. Like the verb to take. And then you give examples from different writers how they used it. And this is how language functions. So let's try to eliminate that meaning business and use function. Let me expand on that. I mean, the people living in the Middle East read their books and the newspapers only with consonants with no volcanic sounds because you know that in our alphabets, including Hebrew, you don't have what we call here vowels. It's volcanic signs, but they are not in the text. You have to supply them. But what is your basis to supply them? You keep supplying, but we do it very quickly once you learn the language, until you find a way that allows you to read a sentence with no hurdles. Because if you stop and you say, I don't know, I'm not sure, then you're not hearing the text. And that is very important. That's why in the early church, people were tortured to be readers. You cannot do it as in North America. Well, your main choir didn't come today. And then Father Mark says, well, how about you, young man? Would you please read the epistle? Well, in English, you can do that because you have the vowels. But if I give you a text in Hebrew or Arabic, you won't be able to do it. You have to be knowledgeable. Again, the importance of language. And this leads us to understand that a word as a function in a sentence. And my classic example, I know you heard it several times, but I like it, so I'm going to repeat it. I was stunned the first time I heard climb down. I said, how can one climb down? Climb means to go up, but it is not so. And you know it. But you shorten it in the case of up. And you say, I climb the mountain. But technically, you have to say whether you climbed up the mountain or down the mountain. 
And that started with the Greek by adding the prepositions before a verb. In English, you have them still divided, but in German, you have it in this way you link. Now, in the Semitic languages, we don't have this. So you can imagine what you have to do to figure out what the author is saying. And verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. But you have only to be still. He will do the job, as we shall hear soon in the crossing of the sea. It is through the wind that he makes blow until his people pass. And then he brings back the wind, but to overtake the Egyptians by the waters. It's the same element, waters, but functionally you have a difference because God deals with the waters in a certain way to save his people and in a different way, but through the same ruach, as we shall see, which is the mighty way to do that. That is the stunning, actually, the power of the message text. Just stay still and I'll do the work. Don't do it. So when we Christians start doing God's work, as I hear everybody around me in this country say, and we really did the work and saw our church growing as though we did the work. That's not what you hear in 1 Corinthians 13. There is only one worker. And we are all co-workers. Co-workers mean do the job of God. This is what it means. He tells you, walk, you walk. Stop, you stop. Pass, you pass. That's it. So it's through obedience, and this is what I like about the name Islam, full submission to the will of God. So learn that this word that is used in your movies as inshallah, which is usually translated, we shall see. No, inshallah does not mean you will see. If God wills, and you have it in the letter of Paul to Timothy, do not say, we shall do, say always, if God will. Very important and very powerful, and make sure not to make fun of that, as it is done at the place. Inshallah. If God wills. And in 17, very interesting, we heard this earlier, that God becomes mighty or heavy or powerful in conjunction with Pharaoh. Here, outright, we hear in verse 17, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh. 
this is the translation of against I would show my glory in an action I take against Pharaoh and go back to what I said earlier about Yeshua, which is salvation through victory. So God appears glorious in conjunction with Pharaoh. And the Ikabada here is the passive. So the I will get glory is not a nice translation. I shall be glorified. You will see me glorified in my glory when you see me head fail and all his host and his chariots, his host. For me, it is important because I will get glory. It is as though I shall glorify myself. In this text, you have the passage. I shall be viewed, glorified. But the second part, Pharaoh over or against Pharaoh, gives you the solution that God will appear to you as glorified in his action against fair. And this is because it is important, repeated in 18, and the Egyptians shall know that I'm the Lord when I have gotten glory over fair, which means you and the Egyptians will witness my glory in my action against fair. Then you have the angel of the Lord with the pillar of cloud, and when they get to the sea in verse 26, let's move ahead. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptian. Okay. First, they cross the sea. Let's go back a little bit. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind, and that's the war, all night and made the sea dry land, you remember that, your Bashar in Genesis 1, and the waters were divided for the people of Israel pass through them. But then the Egyptians pursued, in verse 23, and then God or the Lord asked Moses to stretch out his hand over the sea. So you see, it's the same action, the hand of Moses and the wind. But functionally, the result is different in each case. And I would like you to teach these things very early. And, you know, in my teaching, I say, that's why God has two hands. He has the right hand and the left hand. So watch out which hand he is using. And that's a joke on my part. Because usually God uses his right hand or his hands. And that brings to mind that 
in the Bible, it is God that is the originator of the good and the bad. You can't appeal to someone else. You're forced to appeal only to him. And you know the story, so let's go ahead. The Egyptians drowned, whereas in 29, the people of Israel walked on dry ground one more time. Through the sea, the waters being evolved to them on their right hand or on their left. And you have this story repeated in the passage of the Jordan by Joshua and the second generation of the Israelites. And in 30, thus the Lord saved. And here we have the hifail, the causative form of the verb Yashama, which is technically he made Israel to be saved, if you like. And in the translations, unfortunately, this disappears. Yasha and the Khan and Hoshia, they fail, are translated as saved. But that's not the connotation of the original. In the Hifail, you have the stress of the action as being the cause of something else. Thus the Lord made Israel to be saved that day from the hand of the Egyptians. You see how the Hifail works. And Israel saw the Egyptians then upon the situation. And Israel saw the great work In the Hebrew, you have an Israel soul, the mighty hand, the great hand. You see the English make it as though it is the word. That's what it means. I know this is what it means, but the author is stressing that they saw the hand of God in action. So the original stresses the hand of God. And this fits perfectly because earlier in verse 29, again, hearing the original, it's a completely different matter in spite of all what the theologians tell you. Just don't believe them. They don't know what they're talking. Because the hand here is a revisitation of the right hand and the left hand in verse 29. So you are hearing with your ears and through them seeing with your ears the hand of God doing the work. Now you tell me, but this is how we painted in our icons. Forget about your icons. You have to hear the text and capture the movement of the text intended by the author. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.